Welcome back to my podcast. It's such a pleasure and a joy to be bringing to you the Word of God through this medium. And I believe that you are being blessed, edified, and encouraged. I would just request you to share this with your friends so that we can get the Word out to as many people as possible. Today I want to share with you a message called Faith to Fight COVID. Faith to Fight COVID. My heart has been burdened with the news that So many people who are infected with COVID have to fight this disease by themselves, isolated at home or in a hospital, disconnected from their loved ones, their friends that can provide vital emotional support. And so it's so important that those people, and if you are listening to this and you are one of them, it's so important that you are fighting this disease by your faith in God. Now, I have been in several crisis situations in my life. And every time I responded according to the Bible, I was always protected. I always ended up victorious and successful, no matter what the situation was. It was sickness in several instances, even financial debt. But every time I responded according to the Word of God. And so I want to teach you these principles that the Lord has taught me over 20 plus years of ministry. How you can handle this crisis situation and come out victoriously. The first thing is this. Do not panic. Your first reaction often determines the outcome in any situation. So do not react to the news that you are positive by fear or anxiety. It may be your family members also, your father or mother that are positive. Do not react in any way at all by fear. Even if the fear comes with an overwhelming feeling of panic and hopelessness, you have the ability to choose not to fear. You know, God says in the Bible, do not be afraid, fear not, or don't worry so many times in the Bible for a reason. God does not want his people living in fear. You see, fear is not from God. It is not his will. In fact, do not be afraid is the most frequent command in the Bible. And because God knows that our initial reaction when faced with negative news, crisis, or even something that we cannot understand is fear. So it's so important to overcome fear in this situation. Now we know that fear is good when faced with immediate physical danger because it enables our body to respond to the situation and either fly from that situation or respond to it by protecting ourselves. However, when you begin to give in to persistent and constant fear from imaginary threats that you are perceiving, imaginary scenarios of serious sickness, ICU, uh, death, you can begin to experience a negative impact in your life. Because number one, it will weaken your immune system, and fear itself can even be the cause for death. Number two, fear can impact your mind and cause depression and anxiety. And it can even bring such severe trauma that you begin to experience panic attacks. You see, imagine scenarios, imagine fear uh, fantasies. You know, it begins to cause irrational behavior. You begin to feel intense emotions like the panic attacks, or you begin to make impulsive decisions like taking excessive drugs and medicines that can even cause severe side effects or death. I know of people who have bought a medicine that is worth 30,000 rupees for 10 lakhs of rupees 
because of fear, the fear of death. Fear that is just imagined is like being constantly scared by a scarecrow or noises in the dark. So choose not to fear and remember to just be sober-minded. Third thing is this. Fear is also a waste of emotional and mental energy. It will stress you and drain you. And number four, most importantly, the devil uses fear to impair your faith and to destroy you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 7 to 9, the Bible says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant. See, God wants you to be sober in such a moment. That means self-controlled. Be watchful over your own heart, your own emotions. Just surrender all your cares upon him because God cares for you. God loves you even at this moment. Why do we need to be sober? Because your adversary or your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. The Bible doesn't say that he is a lion, but he imitates the roar of a lion. He pretends to be bigger than who he is. And the roar of a lion is designed to instill fear in the prey. So the devil walks about like a roaring lion, meaning he uses fear as his weapon, as his tool, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. So the Bible says the devil uses fear to devour believers, to devour people. That means to bring death, to bring panic, to bring depression upon them. And the Bible says resist him. That means you can resist the devil. You can resist fear. Resisting fear is resisting the devil. How? Steadfast in the faith, standing in the faith that the Bible teaches you. So understand this. Fear, worry, anxiety is a tool that the enemy uses against you to entrap you. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will destroy you. Fear feeds the mind with worst-case scenarios that are not real, that are not true. Fear is faith in what the enemy can do. Fear is faith that is used negatively for the wrong reasons. And it opens the door to the enemy. Job himself says in Job chapter 3 verse 25, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. See, Job experienced death of his children, loss of all his livestock, his money, even his house, and severe disease that came on his body. And he says, The thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. Which means for several times, for many months and seasons, Job was always living in fear that something terrible was going to come upon his life. And his fear opened the door. I believe this is one of the reasons why he was afflicted with all that suffering. See, not only that, fear confuses. Many times the armies that came against Israel, the Lord will turn around the situation and they would kill one another in the midst of their own fears. Fear causes stampedes that causes destruction. Recently, my son had a knee accident where he went through a glass door and ended up having severe cuts on his knees. Now, while we were dealing with that, that crisis moment, there was a man who was working in my sister's kitchen. He was cleaning the ga gas stove and he had in his hand the most dirty rack you can ever imagine. And he was in such a panic that he came and was trying to stop the bleeding with that dirty rag. So I had to stop him because I saw that it was very dirty and I cannot have that on the open wound. And I told him, don't come, don't help. But he was so confused, he was so panicking in the midst of the fear that he kept on coming back and trying to stop the wound with that dirty rag that I had to finally just shout at him to tell him to go. 
Why? Because fear causes confusion, causes you to do things that you would normally never do. So understand this. Fear is not the will of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So let me read that to you to make it personal to you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear. God does not give fear. Fear is not from God. But God gives you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. God wants you to have soundness of mind in the midst of this news of COVID. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God wants you to be full of courage at this moment, not to be in fear, not to be discouraged, for your God, the Almighty God of the universe, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who is greater than any sickness or disease, He is with you even in the midst of this crisis. So God wants you to be sober-minded, to be self-controlled, to be strong and to have courage. Remember, courage is not the absence of fear. You can feel fear and yet choose to be courageous. The second point is this, God's perspective. Perspective is everything. Look at the entire situation from God's point of view. You're probably overwhelmed with fear because you are seeing your situation from your own limited point of view. You're asking, why? Why me? How did I get this disease? You're afraid because there's no cure yet for COVID. And then you are thinking, I have to fight this disease alone in quarantine, in isolation. And of course, you may have seen a lot of videos of deaths and people panicking on social media and news. And that's why you're being overwhelmed with fear. See, even in the natural, if you have a proper perspective, it will just bring us to a state of calmness. 98 to 99% of infected people recover, and 80% of them with very little symptoms. And every day, thousands are recovering from COVID. So let's not just be so focused on the death. What does the Bible say about this crisis situation from his perspective? Firstly, God is with you. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we, those who are in crisis, those who are in sickness, may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me, or in this case, what can COVID do to me. So remember, in the midst of this situation, even if you don't see God, even if you cannot sense him, God's perspective is this. He is with you. He has promised, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you so that you can be bold and you can say, God is my helper in the midst of this crisis and I will not fear. Secondly, God is in you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. If you are born again, if you are a believer in Christ, you are a child of God. And the Bible says that God lives in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And the Spirit who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, referring to Satan, any demonic powers, or any other power in the world. COVID has some power, but you are of God. You belong to God. 
And the Bible says you have overcome them. That means you have the ability to overcome this because God lives in you. And the one who is in you is greater than this COVID virus. So look at this situation from God's perspective and understand this. God is in you. Thirdly, God is for you and is not against you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 32, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? From God's perspective, he is for you. He's not against you. He's not judging you or condemning you because of this sickness. This sickness doesn't mean that God is against you. No, in the midst of this crisis, God is for you. And if he could give up his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins, how shall he not with Christ also heal you of this sickness? Fourthly, God has already healed you in Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, the Bible says that by his stripes we were healed. That means when Jesus went on the cross, Isaiah 53 declares this to us in detail. Verses 4 to 5, the Bible says, Surely he took our infirmities and our sicknesses on his own body on the tree. He bore our sicknesses. He bore our infirmities on his own body. And the Bible says that so that by his stripes or by his wounds we are healed. You see, the atonement provides provision for healing. When Jesus died on the cross, it was not only for our sins, but also for our sicknesses, so that we can release our faith in him and receive healing. And as far as God is concerned, God has already healed you in Christ. It's a past tense reality which you can experience in your life when you believe in him today. Fifth point is this. Christ is in the middle of every crisis. In the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 5, there is an interesting story of Jesus being in the boat with certain disciples. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 onwards, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Jesus was in the middle of this crisis. But the disciples, for a brief moment, forgot that Jesus was with them and they were afraid that they will die and they were trying to protect themselves in the midst of the storm until Jesus came from within the boat and he calmed the storm. And Jesus was able to do this because he possessed the supernatural peace of the kingdom of God within him. Peace is powerful. Peace has authority. And therefore, when you believe that Christ is in the middle of your crisis, in the middle of this storm, he's in your boat, he's in your heart, you're going to have authority over this fear. Sixth thing is this. Take an eternal perspective of this situation. 
I want to point you to another portion of scripture. It is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it is from verses 16 to 18. This gives us a great way of developing the right perspective in every crisis situation you may encounter in life. Verse 16 says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Verse 16, For a light affliction, and even this sickness is an affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The Bible says that this crisis is working for you. That means it's going to benefit you. Because God is using this to work for you, to work in you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So God can turn around this situation to bring character into your heart, to bring strength, faith, to bring forth a glorious testimony that you can grow into a deeper relationship with God. You can grow in wisdom. So this crisis is working for you. So look at COVID not as your destroyer, but as your slave working for you. So keep your eye on what you cannot see, the things of the Spirit the things of character, the things of the kingdom that are going to be worked in your heart, in your spirit, and in your life. And don't look at the things that you can see. For the things that you can see are temporary, but the things that you cannot see are eternal. The seventh way of looking at God's perspective is this. Be conscious of heaven. In John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. And it's important that you are not troubled at this moment. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. In the midst of trouble, anxiety, anguish, Jesus is reminding them, do not be troubled. And then he focuses their attention to heaven. In my Father's house are many mansions. Why is Jesus saying this in such a moment? Because God wants us to have an eternal perspective of everything in life. This is what I believe God wants us to trust in at this moment. Even if a Christian should die, we never lose. Even in death, we win because we have heaven assured to us in Christ. You see, death is not something that a Christian should be afraid of. What's the worst that can happen if a believer dies? He goes straight to heaven to be with Jesus. How can something like that be so bad? That's why Christians should never fear death. In fact, Paul himself says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23 to 24, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So Paul says, I really have a heart and a desire to die and go to heaven, but I am using my faith to remain here on the earth in the flesh because I have a purpose to fulfill. And I believe that's a great attitude for all believers to have. 
that even if we should die, there's nothing wrong in it because we are going to be with Christ, which is far better. However, it's important for us to remain here on the earth because of things that we need to do, purpose that we need to fulfill. A preacher once said this, that he was dealing with a man who was afraid that he was going to die. So the preacher told him, you aren't going to die. God's word says you live, by his stripes you're healed. But this man continued to be in fear. Finally, the preacher said, all right, what if you do die? You get to be with the Lord. What's wrong with that? Why are you so afraid of going to be with God? And they started talking about heaven and about what it would be like in heaven. And all of a sudden, that fear was gone. Now, that did not mean this man stopped believing. You're still supposed to believe in God and in His Word to overcome this sickness. But when you are in constant fear, you see, fear paralyzes your faith. So, if you have an eternal perspective that heaven is assured, it is not as bad as Satan makes you think, and you will be able to enter into peace where you can exercise your faith. The third point is this. Build your faith. To fight the virus, you will have to use your faith. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace we have been saved through faith. Everything God will give to you, you have to receive by faith. The Bible uses the word saved to mean rescue, deliverance, healing, not only forgiveness from sins. God gives us healing by His grace. Healing is a grace. So how do you receive this grace of healing? The Bible says it is through faith. We must receive by our faith. And the word faith means your belief, your conviction, your persuasion that it is God alone who can heal you. In fact, Jesus said many times in the Gospels, according to your faith, be it done unto you. So you experience from God according to your faith. In Mark chapter 5, verse 34, Jesus turns around to the woman who was bleeding for 12 years and had come behind him in the crowd, touched his garment, received the power of God flowing into her body and healing her. So Jesus turns around and says to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So Jesus is teaching us here that everything that she did, from hearing about Jesus, from saying, if only I will touch his clothes, I shall be made well, and pressing through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment and receiving the anointing into her body, that was her faith, and her faith caused her to be well. God will honor your faith. If God honored the faith of those people in Bible times, and none of those people were perfectly righteous or holy, they were just people who just believed in him, in the same way, God will honor your faith today. God is not a respecter of persons. That means even if you also will believe, God will honor your faith and heal you and deliver you. So build your faith in these areas. Number one, God is good. Psalms 106 verse 1 says, For the Lord is good and His mercy endureth forever. God is a good God. He's not judging or condemning you through the sickness. He wants to heal you. In fact, there was a time when Jesus preached up on the mountains and when he came down from the mountain, there was a leper who came to him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The leper was sure that Jesus had the ability to heal him, but he wasn't sure whether Jesus was willing. So he says, if you are willing. 
Jesus turns around to him and says, I am willing, be cleansed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if Jesus was willing in those days, he's still willing today. And Jesus is God in action, which means God is also willing to heal you today because God is good. Secondly, God is all-powerful, is almighty, and all power and might belongs to him. God is greater than any disease and even this COVID. In Luke chapter 1, verse 37, God says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. That means God can heal you of this sickness. God can even raise you from the deathbed. So just believe in him. Luke chapter 18, verse 27, the Bible says, The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. God has all power and might to heal you. Jesus was God in action. And Jesus turned water into wine. He walked on water. He raised the dead. He opened up blind eyes. He provided manna in the wilderness to feed millions. That's what God did for the Israelites. He caused them to go through the Red Sea. If the same God can do all those wonders and miracles and signs in the Bible, then why won't He also do it for you today? Because He loves you. Surely He can heal you of this. Put your faith in the power of God. Thirdly, God is a healer. Healing is his nature. Healer is who he is. God is Jehovah Jireh, which means God a healer. Exodus 15 verse 26 says, I am the God who healeth thee. And we can see, even in the life of Jesus, that he went about healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. In Mark chapter 6, Verse 54 to 56, the Bible says, And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized Jesus. They ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. As many as touched him were made well. Jesus healed throughout his ministry on the earth. Jesus has not finished his ministry, even though he's not here physically. Through the Holy Spirit, he continues the ministry of healing and compassion for the sick. So just trust in the Lord and God will heal you because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Fourth is this, guard your heart. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid. Proverbs chapter 4 tells us, guard your heart with all diligence. That means every day, every moment, be diligent to guard your heart that you do not allow fear, you do not allow anxiety, you do not allow agitation into your heart. Why? Because all the issues of your life flows of your heart. Your faith flows out of your heart. Your trust in God flows out of your heart. So God wants your heart to be guarded. And how do we do this? With peace. Let me share with you my own story. Last year, I contracted an illness called UTI. I took some medication and I thought I was all right. I had gone on to Dimapur to counsel and pray for a brother from our church. While I was there, suddenly there was this terrible pain that came upon my body. So I had to visit the bathroom and to my shock, I was bleeding. So I had to take an emergency drive from Dimapur to Kohima about two hours, but I had to stop about 20 times along the journey. And every time it was because I was bleeding. I was bleeding severely. 
So I did not understand what was happening. There was this fear and anxiety that tried to overwhelm me. So I had to guard my heart continually through the journey. And I did it by worshiping God. I sang worship songs. I began to praise God openly from my mouth. I began to speak out verses of healing and God's goodness upon my life. And that was how I guarded my heart. But that was not the end of it because even after the bleeding was arrested, the doctor said, I have to do a test to check for another disease. So the time from when the test was taken till the report came, many days, not knowing what was the exact problem, every night the fear would come trying to overwhelm me, wondering what's going to happen, am I going to die, is this the, is this the cancer disease? You know, so I was battling these thoughts. So I had to deliberately guard my heart. And I learned to do it by taking communion every day. And on some days, I took communion three or four times a day, just remembering what Jesus has done on the cross and praising him for the finished work, how he has healed me by his stripes, how the body is for my healing represented in the bread of the communion. I kept on meditating on the scriptures and just spending time worshiping and thanking God for his promises. The Bible says in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid, agitated, or anxious. God wants you to guard your heart with peace. And the Bible says his peace is already given to you. So remain in peace. Keep on meditating on scriptures to guard your heart. Fifth, build your faith in the area of your authority. The name of Jesus is greater than any sickness or disease. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 to 10 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him, referring to Jesus, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. The name of Jesus is greater than any sickness or disease. And God has given you the name of Jesus to use. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, God raised up Jesus far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. God has raised Christ above every name, and even COVID is a name. But Christ is above COVID. That means the name of Jesus has authority over all principality, power and might and dominion in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm. The name of Jesus has all authority and that name is given to you to use. Jesus says, pray in my name, ask in my name. In John chapter 14, verse 13 to 14, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The authority that you have to pray, to rebuke sickness, is in the name of Jesus. So believe in the name and use the name. In fact, when Peter went to the gate called Beautiful, there was this man lame from birth asking him for alms. And Peter turned to him and said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he lifted up that man and he walked. And Peter explains what happened by saying it was faith in the name that healed him. So put your faith in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And finally, you can pray for healing. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15, the Bible says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. This is the confidence that we have in God, that if I ask Him anything which is according to His will, He hears me. Is healing the will of God? Absolutely. How do I know? Because Jesus is the will of God in action. And everywhere Jesus went, He healed people. He did not put sickness on people. Not to even one did He say, it is not time yet for you to be healed because it is not God's will yet for you. He did not say that to even one person. In fact, the Bible says when Jesus died on the cross, He bore our sickness, our infirmities, and our pains. And by His stripes, we are healed. So healing is the will of God for every believer. So if you ask according to His will, the Bible says He hears us. Whether you see Him hearing you, whether you experience Him hearing you, whether you see a vision of God hearing you is not important. His word says God hears you. And if you are assured that He hears you, whatever you may ask, in this case for healing, then you have the petitions, you have the assurance that you have the healing. So say this prayer with me right now. Say this, Father, I come to you in Jesus' mighty name, and I ask that you will heal me of this COVID infection. I thank you that healing is your will. Because Jesus went everywhere healing the sick. Because healing is part of the blessings of redemption in Christ. And because Jesus bore my sickness and my pains on the cross. And by his stripes, I have been healed. In Jesus' name, I take authority over every virus in my body. And I rebuke this sickness, I rebuke this virus, and I command it to leave my body. I believe that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is quickening my body, and it is effecting a speedy healing. In Jesus' name, I claim right now my inheritance of healing. And I receive my healing by faith. And I declare that I will not die, but I will live to declare the glories and the testimonies of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed this prayer with faith, be assured that you have the petition that you have asked of God because you have asked according to His will and therefore He has heard you. God has heard this prayer right now. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. These are the words of Jesus. And he says, when you pray, whatever you may ask when you pray, not after days of your prayer, no, when you pray, that means at this very moment, believe that you receive. Believe that you receive your healing right now. Believe that you receive your deliverance right now. Believe that you receive your answer right now 
and then you will have them. Jesus is saying, believing comes before you will experience it in your body. Believing that you have received comes before the manifestation of healing takes place in your body. Now, I want you to do this. You have prayed that prayer. Believe you have received your healing. Believe you have received in your heart. Even before you see any changes in your body, even before any symptoms of headache and coughing and, and, and that fever has left your body, believe you have received your healing. Believe that you are healed because you have received it first in your heart, in your spirit. Remember again, whatever things you ask when you pray, that means believe when you pray, not believe after you are healed. Many people believe in healing only after they experience it. But the Bible says, believe that you are healed, believe that you receive when you are praying. When you are praying. Not when you get healed in your body, but when you are praying, believe it, and then you will have the healing in your body. So remember, believing that you are healed comes before having it in your possession, in your body. You have prayed that prayer by faith. You have confidence in God that he has heard you. Believe that you are healed. And after this, it's so important how you continue to release the hope of your confession. What you continue to believe and think is very important after your prayer. After you pray, there will be a battlefield in your mind. The symptoms will continue to lie to you in your own thoughts that you are not healed, that your prayer did not work, that God is not healing, because you may still feel the pain in your body. You may still feel the fever in your body. You may still be coughing. So there's this battlefield in your mind. What happened? I prayed, I released my faith, but I'm still having this pain. Remember the difference between facts and truth. Facts are the symptoms that you're experiencing. There are facts in your body. That means you're experiencing the fever, you're experiencing pain right now. It's a fact. But the Bible gives us truth. The truth says that when you have prayed and believed you have received, you have received. The truth says you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. The truth says that Jesus is your healer. Therefore, you have to take away your eyes and your thoughts from the facts and place it on the truth. Choose to be meditating on the truth, not on the facts of your circumstance, not the facts of your body, but the promises of God. Remember, Abraham was a hundred years old. He could have looked to his body every day and seen a dead body, a body that was unable to produce a child. But the Bible says that he was persuaded that God was able to fulfill his promise and therefore he chose not to look at his own body already dead, but he chose to look to the promise of God. In other words, Abraham daily had to take his eyes and his thoughts away from the fact of his body, from the fact of his condition, from the fact of his age, to be mindful of the promises of God and to be mindful of his faith in the promises. And that was how Abraham received his miracle. So at this moment, take your eyes away from your pain, from your symptoms, and choose to meditate on the promises of God. Choose to meditate on the truth. Truth is more powerful than facts. Truth can change the circumstance of your life. Truth changes facts. Truth 
shall set you free. Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And the truth is this, you are healed by the straps of Jesus. The truth is this, Jesus paid for your healing. If you know the truth and you believe in the truth, the truth will set you free from this sickness. So choose to meditate on truth continually. How do I do that? Read the word, the promises of healing specifically. Memorize it. Speak it out continually. Listen to sermons on faith and healing. You can do this on YouTube, podcast. There's so many sources available. While you're there on the bed at home, listen to the sermons on faith and healing. Thirdly, speak the word continually. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The Bible says, hold fast to the confession of your hope. The confession of your hope means the constant speaking. The word confession means to say the same thing repeatedly of what? Your hope, your expectation of healing. Why? For God who promised is faithful. So the Bible says after you have prayed and believed you have received, you need to keep on confessing what you're expecting. That means you need to keep on speaking your faith. Keep on speaking that I believe I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I believe I've received healing when I prayed. Begin to declare, I believe that God's power is working in my body. COVID has to bow to the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for my healing. Thank you, Lord, that I am healed. One of the best ways to meditate on truth is to thank God for the healing that you have already received by faith, is to praise Him that He is a healer. When you begin to do this repeatedly, constantly, you begin to set your mind on the things of God and you begin to magnify God and God becomes greater in your eyes. Not that He becomes greater. He cannot change. He has always been great. But God becomes big in your consciousness and COVID becomes small. Remember, God is greater than any sickness. And lastly, I want to conclude by encouraging you with this principle. Stand on the Word of God. Put the Word of God above your experiences. After you pray, the fight is between your own thoughts and feelings and the truth of God's Word. You may not experience immediately the healing taking place. You may not experience immediately the power of God removing the symptoms from your body. The pain and the fever may still be there. So many believers tend to think that since they still experience the symptoms, they are not yet healed. God has not answered their prayer. So they feel that they have to keep on begging. They have to keep on pleading. They have to keep on crying, Lord, heal me again. Lord, heal me. So they keep on praying this prayer. Heal me, Lord. Heal me, Lord, again and again and again. Remember Mark eleven twenty four. When you pray, believe that you receive. That means you just have to pray once. And when you pray once, believe that you receive your healing. And then you will have it. You will experience it. So put the Word of God above your experience. Put the Word of God even above your own thoughts. And let your thoughts be renewed by the Word of God. Give first place to the Word of God. Remember, the Word of God is greater than your circumstances and your facts and your feelings and even your own thoughts. In the second epistle of Peter, Peter reminds the believers that he has written this epistle to to put the Word of God even above any spiritual experiences. And he says in verse 16, 
We did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter is saying, listen, the things that I'm writing to you are true. It's true because I have experienced it. I have seen with my own eyes, I've touched with my own hands, Jesus Christ himself, who is the Son of God. And we were on the mountain with him when he was transfigured. And there was a voice from heaven that came and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we saw the shining glory of God's Shekinah glory through Jesus Christ. So I know what I'm talking about. Peter is defending what he is writing. But then he says in verse 19, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. Peter is saying, Whatever I have experienced only confirms the word. In fact, in the literal Greek it says, We have the more sure prophetic word. Peter is saying, No matter what I experienced, the more sure word is the word of God. And whatever I experienced was only to confirm the word of God. And then Peter says, which you will do well to heed, to pay attention as a light that shines in a dark place. Peter is saying, pay attention to the word. The word is greater than any spiritual experience you may have. The word is greater than your experience. Pay attention to the word like people who look at light in dark places. Like people who pay attention to light in dark places. Pay attention to the word of God. The Bible is telling us greater than any experience is the Word of God. And therefore, we must value the Word of God above all experiences. That means after you have believed in God, prayed, asked for your healing, stand on the Word of God. Don't let any other experience steal you away from your faith in the Word of God. It doesn't matter whether you're experiencing fever Symptoms, even after you have prayed, stand on the word of God, which says you were healed. Stand on the word of God, which says you have received your healing. Stand on the word of God, which says God is faithful. So keep on standing in faith, and I guarantee you, you will be healed. Let me close by sharing a testimony of my own healing, and I believe this will encourage you. For several months, a couple of years back, I battled with allergy in my body. My skin would just break out and I would have difficulty sleeping at night because I was itching all over. I began to pray, stand in the word, and also take medicines. And for a while I was healed, but then the allergy would come back stronger than before. So I had to go back to the word of God and really apply the same principles that I teach about faithful healing. And the most important part was this, continuing to stay in faith after I have prayed for healing. Now, praying for healing is not difficult. Most believers believe that God can heal, and they pray and ask God to heal. But after we have prayed, how do we maintain our thoughts? How do we maintain our hope, our expectation? How do we maintain the battle in our mind? It makes the pivotal difference in the healing. I know that you have already prayed for healing, but after you prayed for healing, it is so important to continue to release faith. 
Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, which also means with faith, it is possible to please God. Now, faith is simply what you believe, your conviction. So God is not asking us to heal ourselves. God is not asking us to deliver ourselves. God is simply asking you, show me your faith. Just believe in me. And if we will believe in him, he's the one that supplies the healing. He's the healer. His power heals, not my power. I cannot heal myself. So I realized that my part was simply to release my faith every day. Every day. So after I prayed for healing of my allergy, this is what I did. Every day, I would just raise my hands and thank God. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I have believed I have received and therefore I am healed. Thank you for the healing in my body, Lord. Thank you that Jesus took my allergy on the cross and by his stripes I am healed. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I rebuke allergy. I command it to be rooted out of my body to be cast into the sea in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name, I rebuke allergy. Leave my body in Jesus' mighty name. So those were the words that I kept on repeating continually. I was not focused on how the healing will come, when it will come, how soon it will come. I just took my eyes away from the manifestation of the power because that's God's responsibility. That's God's part to heal, to supply the power. My responsibility is to release my faith. So I began to take joy in pleasing God. The Bible says, with faith, it is possible to please God. So I began to understand my heart. Wait a minute. Every time I say, thank you, Lord, for healing me of, uh, for, for, of this allergy, God is pleased. Every time I say, thank you, Lord, that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. God is pleased. Why? Because I'm releasing my belief in his word. Every time I place confidence in his word, that is faith. Every time I speak his worth by my faith, that is faith. And that is what he is pleased with. So I just focused on just releasing my faith every day to God. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. And the allergy was still there. I was still itching all over. But I chose to ignore my symptoms and put the word of God above my experience. This is what was happening. I was standing on the word, confessing the word, but I was also experiencing the allergy in my skin, my body. But I chose to put the word above my experience. I did not say, what is happening? I'm still experiencing the allergy. Uh, I guess God does not heal. I guess the word is not working. No, I did not put the experience above the word, but I put the word above my experience. And I said, it doesn't matter even if I'm still itching all over, even if I still have allergy all over, the word of God says I'm healed and therefore I am healed. The word of God says Jesus has taken my sickness and disease on the cross and therefore he has taken it away. I'm healed. I continue to put the word of God above my experience. And guess what? The allergy has completely left me and I did not even know when that healing took place. I was so focused on just releasing faith to God that I wasn't even aware that the healing had already taken place. So, stand on the word. Put the word of God above your experience. So remember these steps. Number one, do not panic at all. Number two, look at your entire situation from God's perspective. He's with you. 
He is in you. God is for you. God has healed you in Christ. Christ is in the middle of your crisis. And God says that he will never leave you, never forsake you. Thirdly, build your faith. The faith that God is good, God is all-powerful, and God is a healer. Not only that, he's given you the name of Jesus, so you have authority. You have authority to rebuke COVID, authority to rebuke the symptoms, authority to rebuke death in Jesus' name. Pray for healing, and finally, keep on releasing the hope of your confession. Keep on declaring the word of God and put the word of God even above your experiences and even above the experiences of people. Don't be so focused on people around you, people who are dying. You may hear stories of people who have died of COVID and you may be wondering, what happened? We were praying for that person who died. Listen, you are not responsible for their faith. You're responsible for your own heart. No one knows what was in the heart. Only God knows. So don't judge your situation by the experience of other people, negative or positive. You choose to stand in your own faith from your own heart daily. Just look to Jesus alone. Don't look to your circumstance or the testimonies of others also. Look to Jesus alone. Remember, when Peter was looking to Jesus, he was walking on water. But when Peter looked away from Jesus, disturbed by the wind and the storms, he fell. So in the midst of this storm, keep your eyes on Jesus all the time and you will walk on water, which means you will experience your miracle. God bless you. I hope you are blessed through this. And if you are blessed, keep on listening to this again and again, and God will bring faith in your heart. God bless you. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do it. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700-568-4533 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.